You're listening to an irreverent podcast. For more unholy content from our friends, head to irreverent.fm. Hey friends, welcome to the Speaking in Church podcast. I'm Josie, and I am here with another one of my new wild goose friends. I love it. Um, welcome, Melissa Collier Getford. How are you, Melissa? I am good. How are you? Chilling. Uh, I just woke up from a nap, so super chilling. <laughs> Perfect. I just got back from a very long day at work, so I did get to cook myself some food. My husband's in Honduras right now. My son is with the grandparents, so it's just me, and that's nice. God bless. Well, yeah. speaking of work, tell the folks, you have a really cool, big person job in my opinion a big person job introduce your professional self to the folks yeah so i am the intergenerational discipleship coordinator for the great plains conference of the united methodist church and all that means is (laughs) (laughs) what that actually means is i get to resource kids ministry and youth ministry workers in um, for all of the united methodist churches in kansas and nebraska that is a big person job it is a grown-up job. Yeah, I like it. it. it I is. mean, it's still kid stuff, but it's like, damn, that title. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is a. It is a long title. I have to like abbreviate it on my name tag and explain it to everyone. So I love it. Well, today we're talking about the children, <laughs> the kids. But before we get into that, tell us a little bit about your life story and how you got to be where you are now. Okay. All right. So I grew up in East Texas, um, and I was born Methodist. Um, but in East Texas, if you're a Methodist, you're still Baptist. Yeah. (laughs) That makes sense. Typical. Yeah. So grew up in East Texas. Um, I ended up in a Baptist church, uh, because all the cute boys were going there for, (laughs) yeah. So that's where I ended up, where all the cute boys were and actually became very involved. Um, I I think that I was kind of a, like a spiritual kid before I even really knew what that meant. And so um, like even as a, like a little kid, I just had just an interest in spirituality and all of that. And um, by about eighth grade, I felt this um, like a tug or a call to ministry. And I didn't quite know what that was. And because I was in a Baptist youth group, I thought um, I couldn't do that as a woman with female genitalia. Oh, so, yeah. <laughs> I was told. So um, I kind of just put that on the back burner and just got real involved in youth ministry. Um, Um, I was in the praise band. I was a really, really good kid, like perfectionist, wanting to do all things, follow all the rules, all of that good stuff. And um, that like worked out for me for basically all of high school until my senior year. And that was the year that I decided to dye my hair brown and pierce my nose and start wearing skinny jeans. Ooh. Uh-huh. Ooh. In, in 2006, so, <laughs> you know, 
Um, and I began saying curse words at public school and got kicked out for, of, um, youth group for it. (laughs) I love that. I love when they kick people out of youth group. You're just like, Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I was told that I needed to, um, to get right with God before I could come back and like do like praise band and all of that stuff. So that's like the public story, but I have a theory. I never got it confirmed, but I have a theory that the real reason I got kicked out was because I went on a date with the youth pastor's son and didn't go on a second date with him. Mm -hmm, For sure. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny because like I was friends with the other son and he was like telling me all of this stuff that was happening in their home. So it was like, here's on this side, it was this story. And on this side, here's the real story. I got the inside scoop. So yeah. Cause I was going to say people definitely got kicked out of my Baptist youth group back in the day, but they were like doing drugs at church. It was like, not. <laughs> right. Well, okay. the, the thing is like, I'm sure that was also happening, but yeah. For what, because I was a leader, it was mm-hmm. like, I needed to be like this example that, you know, others yeah. need to look up to or whatever, but yeah. so this male youth pastor calls me into his office and closes the door and it's just me and him. And as someone who was inappropriate for, youth, for the Baptists, right, right. right. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, he calls me into his office and just says, like, you need to get right with God. Maybe you should, like, take a break. And when you're, like, better, come back. When you're better. When I'm better. Turns Mm. out I was better without them and then decided just to not come back. Amen. Amen. Um, So that was high school. And that really kind of set me on on an interesting trajectory because for me, that um, as a really great Enneagram one, that kind of put me on this, like, mission to make sure that that doesn't happen for other people. And I really started to, um, understand my calling to be someone to work within the church for change. And, um, so I didn't know anything else, still went to a Southern Baptist college in Arkansas and went into, um, I was going to do like ministry as my major. And, that's when I took my first, um, biblical studies class, my Southern Baptist professors, men were saying, we need more women in biblical studies. Um, you should do that. So that's where I started. Like the theology professors are always progressive, always the most progressive (laughs) on campus, always, always, except for like one and then, you know, whatever, but yeah. Yeah, it turns out they believe in the rapture or something weird like that. (laughs) (laughs) So I started taking biblical studies and Greek and and all of that and started questioning the, you know, systems in place and started thinking more critically and um, decided I wanted to become a professor. And so I went to seminary to do that right out of college after I got into some really good old fashioned trouble um, in college. I guess we can talk about that later, but um, (laughs) Uh, (laughs) um, yeah, I went to seminary at Perkins school of theology in Dallas and had no thought of becoming ordained in any way. Just thought I was going to get my master's and then go on straight to PhD, do biblical studies and, um, ended up not getting accepted anywhere. So 
at the same time, I met this boy from Kansas and we got engaged and he is a pastor in the Methodist church. So, um, for listeners who don't know that system is an appointive system, very similar to like a military, uh, system where somebody sends you where you're, you're sent. And so, um, we graduated from seminary and then six days later got married that idea classic 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 and then um two weeks later we moved out to western kansas <laughs> you're just talking about all these places that i like have no idea about <laughs> right just to put things into perspective so i'm from east texas the main industries are oil and trees and i moved to western kansas where every tree was intentionally planted by a human being <laughs> <laughs> it was a culture shock. It, I mean, lovely people, lovely yeah. people. Um, and I'm just a coastal I elite. I don't know anything about yeah. Kansas. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, that's when I started doing kids ministry. Mm. And I loved it. And I loved it. So then it just kind of grew from there. We moved to Eastern Kansas and then up into Nebraska for a little while. And I did kids and youth ministry and all those places. I've written curriculum and consulted and done all that. So then I was offered the job at the conference office and took it. And here we are doing that. And I've got some other side gigs going and yeah. Yeah. Tell us about that side gig. I'm pretty, I'm pretty in love with it actually. Me too. I'm really excited about it actually. Um, okay. So pandemic hits and my job is to resource kids and youth ministry leaders. And I am realizing just how much time I am spending just like reading curriculum and searching and trying to find good progressive theology for kids ministry and youth ministry. And it is really, really hard to find. It's not that it's not out there. It's just that it's all over the place. Um, and sometimes it's expensive and other times it's just behind a paywall and you can't, you don't know what you're getting. And that's like kind of, it's nerve wracking. Um, and so I started doing a lot of that work by curating resources and sharing them with kids, ministry leaders. And what I found in Kansas and Nebraska is like, they needed that like surefire person or a colander of sorts to sift through the bullshit that's out there. And, um, and so then I started creating content myself, like um, so many did during the pandemic of like faith formation, curriculum, at home type of resources, PDFs, downloadables for kids and families and youth ministry. And a lot of other folks started doing this too. So I started thinking, well, maybe I can sell my content um, on like Etsy or something. And then um, my coach at the time, um, you know her, Sarah Heath, uh, she, she kind of coached me through like, well, but, well, what would it look like to create an Etsy or a teacher's paid teacher's platform for progressive faith formation content. So Dandelion Marketplace is a multi-vendor marketplace for progressive content creators to be able to create their own storefronts and to upload their curriculum, faith formation resources for kids, youth, adults, whatever. Um, and it serves as this colander to help folks who are looking for good, reliably progressive content um, to find it and to do that well. And, um, the prices are good and, you, you know, vendors can set their own prices and, um, yeah, so it's kind of a new thing and just starting to 
snowball a little bit. We've got some vendors and they're uploading their content and had my first few sales this month. Yeah. Yeah. I love this because what we're going to talk about today is (laughs) the fact that the Bible is not child friendly. Like mm-hmm. you should not be just like opening that shit up on Sunday school and saying like, and King Solomon said, well, if you can't agree, I'm going to cut this baby in half. <laughs> and then they agree. And then one agrees to it. Yeah. That's yeah. Traumatizing. Yeah. I, or like Noah's flood. This is the one that always gets people and they think I'm absolutely batshit where they're like, oh yeah, think about Noah's flood that hard and I was like really all I thought about was the floating dead bodies literally my four-year-old I read a bible but like a a kid's bible to him Mm -hmm. and it is a progressive one that I recommend and there's still the story of the flood and he's like where are the people and I'm like they drowned yeah. <laughs> they died they are dead but it, but it's like even at like every church i've been to it's like that's the theme for the nursery yeah why do they paint an ark on the walls and make it safari if you want animals well okay but like the creation story is just a few chapters before that oh you're right like biodiversity is right yeah there. yeah, yeah. about death I know for let's talk about creation. Oh my gosh. No, it's uh it's funny. So how do you come like tell us about where you come from as a progressive creative mind and as somebody who creates content, curates content, where do you come from when it comes to this? Yeah, so I mean, I think it goes back to my own experiences, right? So grew up in East Texas, had a very specific approach to like who God is, what the Bible is, a more conservative upbringing. And I, you know, you said you, you laughed and said the it's the professors, the biblical studies professors that are always the most progressive, but that's really where it started. Um, when I was in youth group, I started asking like hard questions that I don't think my youth pastor could answer. <laughs> <laughs> to be quite honest, um, it, it just, he, and, and he didn't like that. And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, going to school and studying this, even what I would consider now as more conservative professors, they helped me along in my, you know, I mean, I was hurt. I had just gotten kicked out of youth group. I'm trying to learn the Bible so that other folks cannot have the, don't have the experience that I have in youth group. And they're more progressive than I was. Um, And so I had this, like, I don't know, these experiences in college that kind of pulled me further left, (laughs) Um, even though I was at this super conservative (laughs) Baptist college. Yeah. Um, And then when I went to seminary, um, I was by far. So when I was in college, I was the most progressive of my classmates. And then I go to seminary and I was by far the most conservative at this. You know? Um, and, and so I was exposed to a variety of theologies and perspectives, I think just at the right time in my brain development and in my own life experiences, like D 
deconstruction started for me like in 2006. And so I I had this like lifetime of experiences of deconstructing along the way that has helped me get to a more progressive space. And I would say that I'm more progressive now than I was when I graduated seminary. And so Mm. I just keep moving left. Um, but relatable, (laughs) right? Like it just, just keeps happening. Um, but to apply that to like kids ministry and youth ministry, um, I think, you know, part of my work is to help kids ministry and youth ministry folks see that how we have done things always is not necessarily the best way to do things. Mm. So like in youth ministry, it's still kind of the norm to do like events-based models with, I loved listening to y'all's podcast on, um, uh, lock-ins <laughs> oh <my> gosh yeah. <laughs> right? so like like that's like this this model that has been the tried and true cookie cutter approach to youth ministry since the early 2000s but like look at the retention rate of millennials in churches like we actually have data that that doesn't work mm-hmm. like it's not effective so a lot of my work just comes down to helping folks like asking probing questions and getting folks to to think more deeply about what is it that, that we're doing and what does that actually communicate mm-hmm. in it to children and to families and to the larger community that we're engaging with. Yeah. I mean, like I think to a pastor who told me that he hopes that his kids get caught making out in church with like <laughs> whoever they want. Cause he's progressive um, because he wants them to know that this is a safe place to fuck up. And I was like, getting caught making out in church. Oh my God. I would get murdered by my parents. Oh my gosh. <laughs> like how cute how is many, that? Com- how many conversations in youth group did you have about the baptismal font? Right. And like mm-hmm. gross a, eh? but also, you know, whatever. I know it is. It's funny. Like, yeah, I remember being a youth group leader and thinking like, I'm not going to be what I had. Like, yeah. I mean, one of my kids was pregnant at 18. Like what? I'm not going to tell her not to have sex. You know? <laughs> this isn't a Virgin Mary situation. Here. Right. Right. <laughs> or like we did have a lock in to my chagrin. Cause I yeah. like to sleep. That's the worst. And one of my students was like having some gender dysphoria. So Mm -hmm. they were like, I don't want to sleep with the boys, but I don't really want to sleep with the girls. I was like, okay, we'll sleep here by yourself over here. Yeah. (laughs) Whereas like when I was a kid, that would have not have flied. Like Uh -uh. Uh -uh. it is. And those kids are like doing great. Right. Right. Yeah. Another experience that I had in youth group was um, like before I, before I got kicked out, I was invited to be part of their like, leadership team oh i was on and there are all these rules around like what oh sorry i think my internet just kind of gave out can you hear me okay yeah you didn't cut out okay yes you're good um but i was on okay i was on that leader or i went to a meeting about the leadership team and there were all these rules just for girls around what we could wear um and it's Mm -hmm. like that I mean, I chose not to be in it because I wasn't going to wear shorts down to my knees, but you know. I never even like 
really paid attention to what my youth kids were wearing like it was right. never like that like, why is that a thing like, they're not walking around in bathing suits at high school and coming to youth group right after like right. <laughs> oh no her belly button is showing because she got her pierced and she wants to show it off what do i care right right and you know it's just to me it's always kind of I don't know, been a little, felt a little creepy to even comment at all on mm-hmm. the minor's clothes, even if it does feel a little like risque, like I'm not about to say anything about that because that's weird and kind of creepy. I know. I just remembered I want to, we took our kids camping one time, which is hilarious because these kids, <laughs> our youth group was like in the hood. Like these kids were all like from underprivileged homes. They all happen to have like bad homes home life situations and like we would drive them to school buy them food i i loved it because i grew up in the same situation and i was like this is exactly what i needed but we took them fucking camping for the first time in most of their lives in tents (laughs) and they like i'm a heavy sleeper and i think they got to know that pretty quickly because they went to like the campground bathrooms and started piercing each other everywhere Yeah, and I was like, well, your mom can do with that. That's not my problem. I'm not going to get in trouble here. Oh, my gosh. It was so funny being the new progressive youth group because you're just like, well... What up? <laughs> whatever not my problem you know what piercings are they don't they're not even permanent exactly they can grow back it's fine but then the, like the old people were like they did what and did it and they were always all these old white people were always so upset at us yeah. like, oh, what do you want me to do no i'm but not their mom and they feel safe and exactly they and they feel like they belong and they're experiencing community and grace and all of those things are more important than what they pierced yeah, I mean, one of them actually stole a car at one point, so that was kind of a shit show, but um, <laughs> we're in a wild youth group. But again, they were in trouble with the cops, not with me. I was just like, right. okay, Ethan, well, <laughs> all right. <laughs> yeah, but those are, but like, if you are requiring a kid or any person, but, you know, my, my thing is kids, a kid or a student to fit a specific mold before they're allowed to be at church or at youth group, we have completely missed the boat. And if Mm -hmm. that's what it is, I don't want a part of it. Yeah. I'm not a cupcake factory. I'm not trying to shell out the same thing over and over again. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. But you know, that's what, especially the Baptists, that's what they want. (laughs) They want a little factory with the little people coming out doing the same thing they're complementarian marriages busting out more baptists yeah and and what sucks is their marketing and their branding and their themes and the art and all of the things and are so good right yeah so it's so easy to get drawn into youth ministry or worship in general or whatever curriculum like i think about vbs right so group is a very well-known publishing house and Mm -hmm. they are more progressive and but their themes are really good and so kids ministries all over choose that because the thing about vbs is there's this 
great theme and it's going to be fun. But then every Thursday it's bloody Jesus day. And we have to learn about how Jesus died on the cross because you, this five-year-old kid deserve hell. And it's your fault that Jesus got put on the cross. Like I cannot imagine telling my children that I don't even have any. It's traumatic. Yep. Mm -hmm. Like you just grow up thinking that you're a piece of shit. Yeah. Oh yeah, I'm like still dealing with that. And I'm not yeah. even like a Baptist. I know. I mean, I'm a piece of shit for other reasons, but you know, whatever. <laughs> it doesn't help. <laughs> <laughs> so as a parent, like, what do you look for in a curriculum specifically when you're like trying to run through it? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, openness. Mm. I, I'm looking for curiosity questions that are wandering questions that are more open-ended that spark imagination and wonder rather than having a right answer. Mm. Um, I do look at art. I do think that that's important. I think that theme is great. Yeah. It can't be ugly. <laughs> no, no. I mean, it, it still needs to be like catch the eye and, and all of that stuff. Um, I I'm looking for in content, um, specifically, like I would love to find curriculum that uses more inclusive genders for God, um, pronouns, excuse me, pronouns for God, um, thinking about kind of some practical things. So you want to find, I'm always looking for adaptability in curriculum. So, um, something that can be scalable for different size to size groups. Mm. Um, and perhaps, some um, notes on adapting for different abilities mm. is really helpful. Um, so are the woke liberal media talking points, <laughs> as the Baptist would say, right? <laughs> right. Um, yeah. And just, I mean, good theology really matters. And like Mm. age appropriateness is, is big. So that goes back to, I mean, I don't, I don't need them to know about Noah's Ark at five. Mm -hmm. Right. That's, and if you're going to talk about it, then let's, 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 let's look at it again in the next three years when your brain is at a different point where you can start to understand different abstract concepts. Let's look at it again in youth group when you're starting to talk about the nature of the Bible and what does it actually mean and what is myth and what is, (laughs) was this a literal thing or not? You know, like, so some scaffolding along the way for what's age appropriate is really helpful too. What are some, besides the crucifixion and VBS, (laughs) what are some like red flags like immediate red flags that you see over and over and over again um in theme sometimes it can be like cute or like exciting to focus on a different culture that's um (laughs) oh god (laughs) right so exactly like i can't I, i can't even say this without like Mm -hmm. just blushing it's so bad but like something that's not the dominant white culture so a few years ago there was a vbs that did something it was a vbs called roar and safari type you know um and but they they really honed in on um 
African culture. And I'm, for those of you who are listening, I am air quoting. (laughs) (laughs) And I say African because in one point in the curriculum, it actually named Africa as a country. Like they didn't even like do their due diligence for like editing, you know what I mean? And so like this, one of the stories that they used was um, the Exodus. I think it was that whole week was the Exodus story. And so there was an actual activity for the kids to experience what slavery felt like. And so ah! yeah, yeah. So they had to be, they were pretending to be the Egyptians and the grown-ups were the, I'm sorry, they were pretending to be the Israelites and the grown-ups were pretending to be the Egyptian slave drivers, making them make more bricks. And so, so like, okay, there's that. But then they also had another activity that like, I think in my, like on my best day, when I'm thinking the best of them, they're wanting to honor different languages, but what they, what it like manifested as was, um, an activity where they learned about languages with clicks <gasps> and then they had to, and then they were encouraged to create their own name with that. Without learning the actual language. Without of learning the actual thing. And, you know, I didn't, I didn't watch any of the videos. So, I mean, there could have been like a document documentary level, right. You know, thing, but, but there's not. 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 (laughs) Exactly. There's not. And so that was the first year that I actually came on staff at the conference. And so I wrote like a letter to all of our kids ministry people like, Hey, don't buy this. But if you do hear some alternative things, do not use this part. And, you know, I mean, it was a mess, but that was in 2019. Like how, you know what I mean? Like that was, that was so some willful what ignorance. Are the, what are the red flags? There was a lot in there. So yeah. I cannot. Yeah. No. That I like feel uncomfortable even t- telling it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's like uh it's like the great British bake off having that Mexican week recently. And it's like, oh, yes, I don't watch that show, but I heard about it. I watch it and I was super behind. I'm super behind on this season. And now I'm just like, oh. I mean, I know British people are racist as much as Americans are, but like, mm-hmm. come on. Like, yeah. We don't bake in Mexico. Get out of here. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the red flags are everywhere in the world, and religion is no exception. I can't. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I would say another red flag is any shame-based theology. So this goes back to bloody theology, but it it can show up in a whole lot of different lessons. Um, There tends to be like a a thought in some more conservative circles that like everything has to go back to somehow Jesus's self, like the salvate salvific work, um, even in kids ministry and youth ministry. So like, you could be talking about some random thing, like, I don't know, Esther, mm-hmm. that book has like literally does not say the word God in it at all. And somehow we get to Jesus on the cross. Right. So like just this, 
it, to me, it, it's like, it's not a, it's not a genuine reading of scripture mm-hmm. in that way. So there's that. And then there's the shame of like, somehow this is still goes back to your inadequacy, your need for salvation from an angry God. So it's like bad theology about who we are as people and also bad theology about who God is. Yeah. I mean, I'm just like trying to think, not trying to, I am thinking back to all the like terrible things I was told as a kid and thinking like, how did I survive in this religion? How did I like not, how did my parents not? Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Well, it's just so much un, un, unlearning and undoing. Like I'm, I'm just now learning about the vagus nerve. The <laughs> what? Like, the vagus nerve. It's a nerve that runs from your brain down to your gut. And is like the thing that helps you regulate. Like once that's activated, it can, um, I'm not doing this justice, but when you activate your vagus nerve, it helps your whole nervous system calm down. And, um, and that can be activated by things like deep breathing and tapping and humming and singing and movement and all of the things. This is what I tell my youth workers that I help resource, like all those things, those practices have been in religion for centuries, right? So what does it look like to bring in this idea of like understanding science, understanding how our brains are developing, understanding the vagus nerve and be, and, and mental health and emotional health and, and, and this holistic approach to who we are as humans. And then connecting that with the story of Christianity, the story of our practices, which are singing together, being in community, movement, breath, meditation, all these Christian practices that really are just religious and spiritual practices. Those things we know help calm our nervous system, regulate our bodies. And it's like those things, whatever, you know, the religion that I was brought up in, those things were secondary to this harmful theology of um, believing that we suck as people. Mm. And, um, you know, I think there's something to be said for going back to ritual and going back to practice because those things help regulate our bodies and have a more holistic view of ourselves as humans and as created beings. Yeah. What are some like, with all of that in mind, what are some like structural changes that you think that youth group should be making? Like Hmm. we all know the classic model, you come in, you play something, you sing a couple songs and then you go into teaching and then you go home or whatever it is. What do you think is like, does any of that need to change? Yes. And no, and no, like, right. right. Like I think part of it is, um, it depends on the location. Mm. It depends on the context. It depends on your, the kids, right. It depends on the students. So like if all of them hate singing, (laughs) don't sing. Yeah. 
you know, like it's, it, to me, there is, there are things that we can do to just get to know our people and our students and see what is, what it is that, why are they coming in the first place? Okay. Let's, let's hold on to that. Mm -hmm. Right. If they're coming just because their parents make them, then maybe we can talk to them and see what, if they have to be here, how can we craft something that they want to be here for? Right. Um, yeah, like a homework then, corner like, or something. <laughs> right. Like, yes. You, do you want to take a nap? We yeah. can, we can facilitate naps here. Yeah. Right. Like that could be great. Um, I, yeah. And so, so it's, it's like, talk to the students, see what they want. Um, and if they do want a game, pizza, songs and teaching, okay, run with that, but let them be part of leading it and give them like, I think, I think what we could be seeing is rather than youth ministry to students, it's youth ministry with students. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes we just like force what we think youth ministry should be onto kids rather than letting them take charge and take some ownership and leadership in that. I think a big change in youth ministry especially with the pandemic is it's more relational now Mm. than programmatic and it has to be. Yeah. So we're going to see, we're going to continue to see youth groups decline in number, but I don't think that that means that spirituality is in decline. Yeah. I think the opportunities there are for students and whoever is doing youth ministry with them to grow deeper, Mm -hmm. to ask um, probing questions, to have a safe place to wrestle with um, faith, the questions that they have and how that intersects with their world and their experiences. And um that to me is, is the big shift that we're seeing is like smaller numbers is actually an okay thing because it allows for relationship building in a different way. Yeah. And I think people often forget that like kids are busy too, especially in these academic climates. Like you're, I remember being at church six times a week, trying to do my homework. I was an AP Uh student. I was so stressed. And nowadays, luckily, parents are like, my kids don't need to be stressed. My kids don't need to, like, they don't need one more thing if they don't want to or whatever. Like, it's not necessarily a bad thing that they're not showing up on a Wednesday night, you know? Right. Right. And and you can facilitate, like, I think I would like to see people let go of this need to have weekly things. Mm. And, you know, if my... (laughs) boss heard this. I don't know what, what they would say about that, but, um, to encourage that. But at the same time, I feel like there's, so my role is intergenerational discipleship there. It's like only in America that we have generational, like specifically generational Mm. types of programming. It's true. Intergenerational is like outside of America literally means multi-generations doing life together. Mm -hmm. Um, and so like, I, I just wonder about, I I think, I think that there is, there is merit and it is a wonderful thing for young people to have spaces that they're, that are their own and they feel like they belong and that they 
um, are wanted and loved and safe and they can be with their peers. Mm -hmm. So I'm not saying get rid of that, but what I am saying is like, that shouldn't be the only thing. And when it becomes the only thing, then what happens when they're out of youth group? And we, I mean, we experienced that, right? Then they started right. doing young adult ministry and then it's like, okay. always bad. I know. And I was like, <laughs> I don't feel like an adult. I just feel young. And then you well, try I'm, to go with the old people and you're just like, I'm, I'm too young for this. It's yeah. so awful. And young adult is like, Okay, so in Methodist churches, that's like 35 and under. Yeah. Okay, think of like all of the life stages that happen from 18 to 35. I'll be 18. I don't know how, I'm 27. I don't know how to talk to an 18 year old without no. being just like older. Like, right. I can't just relate with the kids. <laughs> and that's like fine and okay. And so why are we? Yeah. So anyway, I don't know. I have some beef with the whole, like keeping kids and youth separate from the rest of the congregation. Cause that communicates something that we maybe don't even realize we believe about kids that they're not whole people. I know in our church, um, the only kid that we really, um, have participating and by participating i mean the only one that comes to lunch after sunday service with everybody <laughs> <laughs> she's 14 and her dad's a pastor and she just comes to lunch and she talks to us and sometimes she doesn't want to talk so she has her headphones in and she's drawing and that's fine and yeah. it's just so cute to me <laughs> in our region actually because i'm also a methodist mm-hmm. <laughs> hashtag methodist um i don't we don't we have like a monthly youth group and all of a sudden, the pastor's like, Josie, we're having a dance. And I was like, a dance? What are we, Mormon? Like, what the kids <laughs> wanted to dance? <laughs> okay, let's have a Halloween dance for the kids, the teens. And now I have to <laughs> chaperone a youth dance. And I was like, I wasn't allowed to dance in church. I don't know what to do. Are we going to okay. have flags like the Pentecostals was happening? <laughs> Yeah, it's dance team. Um, so what songs are we going to be playing at this dance? I mean, I'm, I don't care. I'm going to find the clean versions to all the shit I used to dance to. We're having trap music with ble- yeah. all bleeped out. <laughs> Can't hear anything, but it's going to be great. <laughs> I was just thinking of like some like old, like really bad, like Christian rock songs oh. or something like that. Lady Hawkins dance in my khaki <laughs> pants. <laughs> Nothing's better. Uh, yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and honestly, I don't know what kids like to dance. Do people like EDM? I don't know how to dance to EDM. What if they don't like EDM? I don't know. My only solution would be to play Bad Bunny because they probably don't understand what they're saying anyways. Like, <laughs> and it's fun. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm just like, oh my god, this is so wildly inappropriate. But they don't know it, so they don't know. They don't know. <laughs> and then you're gonna get the kid in Spanish class, just like mm, Miss Josie. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Anyways, I'm screwed. I don't know how to do with the youth these days. <laughs> and I'm not that old. I see TikTok Gen Zers, and they're just like, and it's like. Or this is my gripe is that they don't like it when you zoom in on your face, like for dramatic effect on videos and stuff. Yeah. It's like, but that is punchy. That is like cinematically. Anyways, now I'm just an old person. Have you seen the um, trend? It's like Gen Z is talking shit about millennials, and then millennials will be like, "Yeah, but 
you look older than we do <laughs> yeah i know these 13 year olds i'm like you are not this is what happened to our parents they look like adults in high school like they had 401ks and then they aged terribly so good luck with that homie you right. wish you would have gone through your awkward stage we age like fine wine <laughs> i don't know i tanned a lot in college so i know i'm gonna have leather skin soon I'm, but you look great right now. Hey, thank you. The Gen Zers are not going to look great when they're your age. <laughs> All that makeup. My parents didn't mm-hmm. let me wear makeup until they tried to force me to wear makeup because then I was a teenager not wanting to wear makeup. Yeah, yeah. I got a lot of that too, being from East Texas. There's a whole like thing that you have to fit into there. It's lots of makeup, lots of the the poofy hair. The higher the hair, the closer to God. Mm, mm-hmm. Okay, I have a question actually. This is off topic, but I just saw this on TikTok. Did your high school do the the mums? Is that what they're called? The yeah. mums? Yeah. What the fuck? I know. Is I know. that? I, okay, I so, don't understand. So it is a Texas thing and I will say that my school didn't do it as much as the other schools nearby. But I did have a mom because they're talking about thousands of dollars and I don't know what it is. And I feel like that, that is not, that was not my experience, Mm -hmm. but that would be more like a Dallas experience. What is it? Like, why do we have these things? I don't really know. It's, I don't know because so in my experience, it was only if you were going to homecoming with someone. So like, the oh, guy, so they would give it to you like a corsage. Yeah, it was like a corsage, but it would be a mom. And then the guys would get garters that they would put around their arms. That's too SS for me. I don't like that one. <laughs> and so, and like, there's like weird teddy bears on them and flowers and like your name. And if they play football, then their numbers on it and da, 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 da. Um, but that's only if you went with someone to homecoming. So like, but in, in Dallas, I've got friends who are from Dallas, even if they didn't go with somebody, they would make their own or like their parents give it to them. Yeah. And it would, and these things like go from your shoulder down to the freaking floor. Mm -hmm. And I want to be honest my cousin can make that shit you know like why is it a thousand dollars like it looks like craft paper craft supply i mean it looks good i'm not gonna say they're ugly but it's just like a thousand dollars what the what yeah that's just a bunch of ribbons and a pin and like random it looks like you won the state fair like you're the prize cow yeah that's what it looks like to me surprise cow (laughs) it does Yeah, it does. You're right. But I mean, I guess everywhere has their own cultural. So like Louise, I love looking at like the deep South prom pageant that happens. <laughs> People do like little TikTok videos and like, look at this girl and she has a giant dress. And I was like, how does she walk into prom with that shit? Anyways, another coastally. Sorry. Back to the topic. Another coastal. <laughs> I love Texas in the South all day long. I love when people call me a coastal elite because I'm like, I'm a little brown girl from the hood, dude. Like, what? What is my eliteness? I don't have elite status. I'm just liberal, (laughs) and that's because I'm poor. We're liberal because we're poor. (laughs) 
Anyways, um, I've been asking all the Wild Goose friends why they went to Wild Goose. So why'd you go to Wild Goose? <laughs> okay, okay. So I I remember specifically when you asked me this. This was like when we first met, and I was like, ah, well, I really just want to be around non Methodists. And you said, I'm a Methodist. Oops. <laughs> I'm not a real Methodist. <laughs> Okay, so I went for a number of reasons. I've been wanting to go since before the pandemic. Um, and um, this was the first year that I could, that I felt like I could with, you know, COVID. And also I have a four-year-old. Mm-hmm. So there's yeah. that. You know, yeah, before that. They were, the, the kid was too young. Right, right. <laughs> um, and then I also wanted to make connections for Dandelion. I wanted to... Um, to meet other people that were, um, spiritual deconstructing. Um, I feel kind of like a special, I don't know, tug to people like that because, um, I find that they're thinking Mm -hmm. (laughs) and, um, still passionate and are seeking. And, and that's, that's, those are my people I feel like so I just wanted to be around my people even though I didn't know who was going to be there I know I find it funny because some people have a really negative experience some people have a really positive experience and I just feel like I'm in the world like some people are assholes some people are not but at least we're all progressive (laughs) yeah I mean it wasn't like a perfect experience and I don't know that it has to be. And I will say my experience as a white woman there was definitely, I'm sure different than a person of color or someone else that, you know, um, you know, I'm straight and present that way and all those things. So, um, you know, my experience was likely different than many Mm -hmm. don't have my privileges. Um, I am also very aware of how white, progressive christian spaces are oh yeah i mean i feel like people forget like there's all this controversy around like who are the deconstructed gurus and who has a platform Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. and it's funny because i'm like well first of all the majority of the people in the united states are white so okay let's knock that out like i just like do all the math in my head and i'm like and at the end of the day you're the ones giving them the numbers so i don't know like why the onus is on you to follow more people of color in the deconstructed space not like they can they could try to make money i don't know like but yeah the deconstruction space is naturally whiter because christianity is naturally whiter Mm -hmm. like the math just maths that way it does and it's interesting because like mainline christianity is often very white still and they're always the most progressive yeah and you think about deconstruction like I'm, I'm glad that lots of white people are deconstructing from white supremacist Mm -hmm. theology. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Like that's a good thing. Yeah. Amen. (laughs) So so there, there's like that coin too. And, and so, so then the question is like, what does it look like for us to be more multicultural? Because right now white people are the majority, but Gen Alpha is, that's not going to be the case with Gen Alpha. You know, I love that they have a name already and we don't even know their personalities. They're just like Gen Z. Well, let's start all over Gen Alpha. (laughs) That's the first generation that's born in this new millennium. Oh, oh, it's like starting a new alphabet. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
I'm scared of kids, dude. <laughs> they like have had the internet since the beginning. And yeah. a lot of people like that I grew up with have had the internet since they were like conscience, conscious, conscious, yeah. yeah. but I didn't, I was too poor for that. So I'm like, you guys yeah. don't know how to do this stuff. Like yeah. you guys don't know how to use your hands. <laughs> so I'm like such an old person. I'm like an elder millennial in a young millennial body mm -hmm. where I'm just like, Oh, these kids don't know how to do it. Yeah. And I'm like smack dab millennial, millennial. I'm 33. Mm -hmm. So like, I remember dial up. Yes. Like I remember I was too poor for dial up, but my cousins had dial up. <laughs> well, okay, so early early on you could get like so before the internet was like the internet, you could buy like AOL, the CDs. CDs. <laughs> we would get them in the mail and my parents would yeah. let me use them. Like a thousand free hours or whatever. So we like switched internets forever because we wanted all the free hours yep. of the internet. <laughs> yep. Yep. My first email address was a CompuServe email address. I remember the like original parental controls on stuff. My best friend when I was growing up, she had like a timer, but it was like windows xp so yeah like, what are you doing for an hour on a windows xp like yeah what yeah it was crazy playing my well, not minecraft minesweeper oh i know and like these kids how are we supposed to going back to the topic sorry friends for the tangent how are we supposed to teach these kids they have the internet like they know more than me right right and that's something that we got to, to bring it back to kids ministry and youth ministry is we have to follow the times with what is, what are, what's trending in education. Yeah. So like education is not, is not all about just knowing the right answer because they can find it on their phones. They can Google it. Um, it's about teaching them how to think critically, how to work together. So we're seeing a lot of project-based learning. We're seeing a lot of um, collaboration. We're seeing a lot of problem solving type mm. of types of assignments. And so like, I wonder what kids ministry and youth ministry would look like with a model like that, instead of asking yeah. them to sit in a desk for another hour of their life, what does it look like to take concepts from Montessori, from mm -hmm. unschooling, from homeschooling trends, from project-based learning and letting them kind of explore on their own? What does that look like? I don't know. But that's what I would like to see. I would have not survived in today's schooling. I am not a group project person. Yeah, I was, no, I'm not either. I was, oh God. I was a person, I remember in high school when I was so fed up with, I had a group project in math. And oh. I was so fed up with group project that I was like, teach, I'm not, I'm doing this on my own. I don't really care what you say. Like, <laughs> I'm not going to have a partner and I don't care. Like, I'm just going to do this because yeah. I don't want to do it with somebody else. I was always the kid that ended up doing the whole project for the group. Exactly. And I was and not was really annoying. Yeah. I mean, I think it's important, right? They're probably doing like better projects than we had because sure. the projects were kind of like a shit show when we were in school. But <laughs> oh, my God, I was so good at memorizing. I was so good at like history and English. Yeah. And yeah. I sure do know how to game a test. Oh, mm, mm -hmm. I was a good test taker. That's Texas education for you right there. Yeah. Amen. We didn't read half of what we were supposed to, but we sure didn't know how to take that tax test. 
<laughs> oh my gosh friends well thank you so much for listening to our conversation i hope that this was helpful um we'll have to have you back on melissa to continue these conversations because i feel yeah. like i mean this shit's just gonna keep evolving and oh yeah who knows where it's gonna end up i'd love to <laughs> i just want some like big scandal to happen with like these VBS things. Maybe I'll start. I feel like Roar was a pretty big yeah. scandal. <laughs> I didn't hear about it though. I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start with my coastal elite brain looking yeah. and like creating messes on the internet. I'm just gonna do that so we can have another podcast to record. <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, plug away at all of your stuff so that people can find you. Yeah. So you can find me on Instagram at Melissa Collier Getford. Um, all one word. Um, I'm on Twitter at that same handle, but I don't really, I just retweet other people pretty much. Um, so Instagram is, is it, you can also, um, check out dandelion marketplace at dandelion marketplace on Instagram. And then it's dandelion dash marketplace.com. Um, if you are a progressive content creator, you can create a, a storefront and start selling your stuff today. Um, if you're looking for progressive content, we're, um, we're open for business. So you can go purchase some content or just browse around. Um, we're uh, going to be migrating over to a new, um, uh, hosting site soon because we've experienced so much growth. So that's exciting, but yay! So dandelion-marketplace.com amazing well friends as always you can find us on instagram at speaking in church you can find me at josie takes the world i'm not going to tell you spencer's because she's secret now because the baby needs protecting yep if you want to um support us and by support us i mean buy diapers for the baby you can head to our instagram links and there's a buy us a coffee feature we would love to take your money uh podcasting does not make money believe it or not but it's fun and i enjoy talking to my friends so pay me (laughs) well friends as always i love you we love you and please for the love of god get woke or stay woke This has been an Irreverent Media Podcast.